And Lord, I thank you so much that because you're an amazing God, you've woken us up again this morning to worship you and given us another opportunity to do that for the sake of your name. I thank you for this privilege that I have to be with my brothers and sisters here at Christian Fellowship Church. And I ask, O oh Lord, that your word will come alive today for all of us, including myself. And Lord, that we have walked in here certain people, but I pray that we would leave changed, having been in your word, having been transformed by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would put aside any of my own agenda that may have sneaked into this sermon. Push it aside, Lord, and I ask that you would speak to all of our hearts today. We love you. We thank you for this opportunity. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thanks, Mike. Well, I bring greetings from Living Hope Church in Elk Grove Village. Uh, again, like Bill said, I may have met some of you kind of one way. You know, I know sometimes when I lead worship, you know, you'll say, hey, I, I remember you, but I'm like, I never got to meet you. So hopefully after the service, we'll get to do that a little bit. Um, I'm here with my wife, Faith. Uh, she's right there. And my son, Christian, and Chloe are downstairs, uh, probably with Tina, I think, is, is downstairs. So uh, we're, we're very happy to be here. Uh, it's a special place for us. Itasca is our hometown, and uh, we have a special heart for this church because of God's name being proclaimed here in Itasca, and we love Itasca, and I hope you do too, uh, and the neighboring areas, and we just pray God's blessing on this church so that his name would be continue to be furthered here in Itasca. It's a special time for us. I also feel very honored and privileged to be able to share this pulpit with my dear friend, Pastor Lucas. Uh, Pastor Lucas is, is one of those guys that I've admired um, from, from a distance, but over the last year or so, we've been really starting to get close uh, and developing an, an accountability type of relationship where you know I could ask him the tough questions, he could ask me the same. But I hope you know the gift that you have in this brother, someone who is a student of God's Word and someone who takes his time to make sure that when he delivers his, the message that it's as accurate and as pure as it can possibly be. Uh, pray for him, uh, because I, I know it's, uh, it's, he's a dear friend of me and um, a, a gift to you, and I hope you know that. If you're a note taker, uh, today's sermon is going to be titled, Complete Submission. Complete Submission. And we're taking out of the text, our main text for today will be out of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. If you want to turn there now, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. And I'll go ahead and read that for us. And I will be reading from the NIV today. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their, their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you are serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he, has, he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. So if I were to look at this text and keep it in its context, I think we would rewind back to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21, where it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Right? And then Paul goes on to say all the different ways that we can do that. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
he begins this by calling all Christians to say, hey, it's important that we all submit. Whatever walk of life, whatever, wherever we're at in the food chain, we, we submit. So he says here in, in um, chapter 5, verse 22, wives and husbands, submit. In uh, chapter 6, verse 1, children, parents, submit. And for our purposes today, we're going to be looking at slaves and masters, just like we read in the text. It says submit. And then even though, you know, even though we don't live in a society that, uh, you know, you, we don't see slavery often anymore, <clears throat> at least we hope we don't, this particular passage, passage pertains to us in, in, uh, in, in the way of like employer and employee, right? Or volunteer and pastor or leader in the church. But as we take a look at this passage, we will see that Paul wants us to understand that it is not just about the act of submission, but it's about the heart and about the spirit behind it. Okay, we're going to look at that together. We're actually going to be looking, um, I'm going to take a, you through a little Bible drill today. Okay, and so if you have a way to mark several spots in your Bible, I'm, I'm going to ask you to uh, mark them now so that as we, because we're going to refer to them multiple times. Um, and I know sometimes, uh, you know, it's hard to do that in a service, but let's, let's just go ahead and mark those now. We're going to be looking at these particular passages. Colossians 3, 22. Colossians 3.22, I don't know, somehow mark it. I, I marked mine with some cool post-it notes here. I don't know if you could see that. But um, Colossians 3.22 is our first one. The second one is 1 Timothy 6, starting at verse 1. 1 Timothy 6, beginning with verse 1. And we got two more. And all these are very quick passages. So Titus chapter 2, starting with verse 9. Titus 2, starting with verse 9. And then 1 Peter is the last one, chapter 2, starting with verse 18. 1 Peter 2, 18. So once again, it's Colossians 3, 22. 1 Timothy 6.1, Titus 2.9, and 1 Peter 2.18. Now let, let's turn to our first one, uh, Colossians 3.23. I'm going to go ahead and read it, read it for you. <clears throat> it says here, Colossians 3.22, Slaves, <coughs> excuse me, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart, and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? In this passage, Paul actually starts out this passage the same exact way he does in Ephesians. He says, slaves, obey. Slaves, obey. And the first thing we need to do to understand complete submission is this word, obey. It's the, most, it's the first, most basic, foundational piece of submission. Obey. Now, let's look at it. Obey whom? It says, obey your earthly masters. Now, who are the earthly masters? You know, most obviously, we have like our bosses at work if we work, 
right? Or we have, uh, you know, if we're a volunteer in a church or anywhere that we might volunteer, whoever that leader is, is the earthly master. Or we could even take it to um, our, our appointed leaders and officials for the state or for the government. These are our earthly masters. And it says here that we're commanded to obey them. And then it says, obey your earthly masters in what? In everything. What is everything? Everything is just that. Everything. Okay, everything could be a time. It could be a task. So say, you know, you're supposed to show up to work at 7 o'clock. Obeying your earthly masters in everything means, doesn't mean that we stroll in, you know, at 7 and about 7.05 we're ready to go. No, obeying our earthly masters in everything means we show up a little early and then we're ready to go at least by 7 a.m., if not earlier. Or it could be a task. You might have a task that, that, that has 10 items that in order to complete it, you know, you have to complete these 10 items. Obeying your earthly masters in everything doesn't mean that you do 8 of the 10 or even 9.5 of the 10. No, you do all 10 if you're going to obey in everything. Some of us might be here in this place of understanding submission, struggling to know who the masters fall under or, the, or what everything means. Okay, We might be at that place trying to figure out, well, what does that really mean? But throughout the Bible, isn't it clear who the everything is and, and, and what the, who the masters are? This idea of time and task can also be translated within, in, within the church, can it? Right? If, if you know, we have to show up at a certain time, we show up. We're on time. Or if Pastor Lucas says, hey, there's a particular need that we have to meet, we step up and we do it. Right? By the way, you know, Lucas and I are friends, but he didn't tell me to preach this to you. Okay? He's not speaking through me to you to say, hey, you got to listen. This is coming from my own heart and my own study. Okay? So uh, please know that. But if, if that's the case, we step up and we do it, you know, because we're, we're obeying. In addition to obeying everything, we are given some not-to-dos. Okay, we're going to go to another text in Titus. Let's turn to that Titus passage. Titus 2, starting at verse 9. Titus chapter 2, starting at verse 9. And it says this, Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show them that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. So in here it has some not to do's. What does it say? We are told not to talk back. We are told not to steal. So not to talk back, okay? But I'm not talking back. I'm, I'm expressing myself, right? We might put it. Or I'm standing up for what is right, I'm not talking back. You know, if that's our heart, there's, we have to rewind back now to our, I told you this was going to be a little Bible drill. Let's go back to 1 Timothy, that passage, and it talks a little bit about something there. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. It says, All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters are to not show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better because those who benefit from their service are believers and dear to them. These are the things you are to teach and urge on them. So what does it say here? It says this verse tells us that we are to consider ourselves, our masters worthy of respect. 
And it goes on in this passage saying, if you have a believing uh, or someone who believes in Christ and they're your master, all the more show them respect. But the Bible doesn't say, if they're not a believer, then no, you don't respect them. No. It says, if, if they're your earthly master, you show them respect. Okay, let's go to the last passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 to 21. I know all these are pretty much saying the same thing, but they have their own little thing to add to it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18. It says here, Slaves, there it is again, Submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So now, what, what do we see in this passage? This passage says, okay, we're to not only to respect those who are good and considerate to us, but now, even if they're harsh, come on. It's getting harder and harder, isn't it? I know this could be difficult at times. Why? Sometimes we have an earthly master who is unreasonable. Sometimes we have an earthly master who seems uncaring, or is, is just non-receptive, won't listen to your ideas. You know, coming, uh, I, I've had a career in, in corporate world. I was a leader in the corporate world for about 11 years. And I've had to coach several people on this type of idea, you know, when they feel like they're a victim of their boss. I've had to experience this too with my own bosses, feeling what they, they were doing was harsh. And who knows, I may even be in a, been accused of it myself as being the boss, that I may have been harsh to somebody. I wish I could tell it differently to you, but I can't. It's here in the Word that we need to show respect, regardless. What about the other one? Not to steal. Okay, well, I'm not stealing. There's, there's plenty of staplers and binders and pads of paper here in the office. What are they going to do with it all anyway? I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not taking their clients. They came to me. They, they want to stay with me. It would be cheaper for them if they went with me and not through the company. But I'm, I'm the one controlling their account anyway. I'm managing all their stuff, and, and I could avoid all the company red tape. It's just easier. The Bible says not to steal from our masters. Instead, it says we need to show that we are trustworthy, that we can be fully trusted. So, we see submission is a command, all right? It's a command to obedience. But the more and more we look into it, the more and more that I've been looking into it, and hopefully I could pass it along to you, we can see that there's a deeper aspect of submission. If we go back to our original passage in Ephesians, it says that we are to submit not only with a teeth-gritting, white-knuckling type of obedience, okay, where you just kind of bear it and say, okay, I'm going to obey, but it's also that we need to have the right heart. And this is the second aspect of complete uh, uh, submission. The first part of complete submission is obedience. Okay? You just obey. And the second part is to have the right heart. Throughout all these passages that we read, we are told to obey with what? Fear and reverence in Colossians. Um, it also says with sincerity in Colossians. 
as if obeying Christ, doing the will of God, like slaves of Christ. That's what it says here in the scripture. As if serving the Lord, not men. We heard that a couple times in these passages, right? The Bible makes it very clear on how we are to obey. We need to obey as you, as, as you would Christ. We need to serve wholeheartedly with all of our hearts, as hard as it may be. But even if it's hard, you serve gladly. Why? Because you're serving as if serving the Lord. We need to clarify, though, that when it says uh, that we don't obey our master, small m or uh, lowercase m, because they are great, but we obey because our master, uppercase m, is great. And that's the focus of how we ought to serve him with our heart, regardless of who the actual physical person is in front of us. The Colossians passage says that we are to obey not only when we are being watched, but all the time with sincerity of heart and reverence for God. It says to work out at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. I think Paul was saying that we need to serve uh, in a way where we're obeying you know, just, just completely. I believe he was saying that even though that you have a boss who's being harsh, that you do it unto the Lord and therefore now you do it with gladness. Right? If you're, if you're volunteering and maybe you're not as excited to do it anymore because you've been doing it week in and week out, that when you say, no, Lord, this is unto you, and so therefore you get this new motivation, this new, this new passion to serve him and to do it with all your heart. You know, I remember when I was um, courting my wife, Faith, um, we would do silly things, you know, back when I, I had friends in college. And we were very athletic and we would play basketball, right? So we were on the basketball court and we were pretty good. Okay, uh, we have a pretty good team. And sometimes we would run into some very close situations, close games, like, okay, we got to win this. You know, we, we only have a few minutes left and we tried to pump each other up, right? You, you, you big chest, like, we got to win this, right? Do you know what? And we would try to motivate each other somehow. You know how they would motivate me because I was courting my wife? They would say this, come on, Jay, do it for faith. Win this game for her. Right? And as if that has anything to do with winning the game, right? But as weird as it is, whenever they would say that, there was something that would well up inside of me that goes, yeah, I'm going to do it for faith, you know? I'm going to try extra hard. I'm going to, I'm going to, I need this extra fuel and motivation. So yeah, for her. Now, if we won the game, which many times we did, did my wife ever go, or my girlfriend at the time, my fiancé, whatever you wanted to call it, did she go, wow, he won the game for me. No, she never did. Right? She didn't even know that we were having those discussions in our huddles. Right? We were, we were just trying to do something to motivate each other. And I know it's silly, but I think that's the similar heart that Paul is trying to say to have when we serve God. Okay? That um, we, we might be up against some stuff. We might be up against some obstacles that you might need extra fuel and motivation to say, you know, I keep on going. And in this case, it's not do it for faith, but it's do it for me, Jesus speaking. And when that happens, boy, there's an extra passion to it. Obey as if obeying Christ. So submission is more than an outward act. It's a matter of the heart where no one could actually see it. And yes, the Lord knows that wasn't going to be easy. All right. As a matter of fact, if we go back to our... Um, uh, our first Peter passage, it says the Bible addresses that you will endure unjust suffering. 
Let's take a look at that real fast. It says in that passage, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 19, it says that it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. So it is saying that even if you are suffering unjustly and you are suffering for doing good and you endure it, God thinks that's commendable. Verse 21 goes further and it says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. You know, God knows our hearts. And I really think that he delights when our secret devotion to him is not shaken by um, suffering or calamity or hardship that's happening outward. How awesome is it that the God of this universe thinks it's commendable the God of this universe thinks it's commendable, commendable if we do a particular task that we don't necessarily agree with for a boss who, who's really being mean. How awesome is that? Is that reasonable? It's not. Submission is more than an outward act um, of, of obedience, but it's also a matter of the heart. So let's recap those two things. We looked at how submission is a matter of obedience, that the command to obey um, just needs to be carried out regardless of who our earthly master is, right? How, however harsh they could be. We also looked at how submission in these passages is having the right heart, that it is more an inward devotion of our heart to obey and serve God. It's a devotion that resolves to obey God even to the point of suffering. And God says that that is commendable. But if we look even deeper at this idea of submission, I think there's another level that we can see here. There's another aspect of what it means to completely submit, to reach complete submission. And that last aspect of complete submission is this, our motivation to advance the gospel. Okay? We see it here in several of the texts. We are to submit to our earthly masters, it says, in order for the gospel to be advanced. First Timothy says, puts it this way, that First Timothy 6, 1, that it tells us that we are to consider our earthly masters worthy of respect. Why? So that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. If we go back to the Titus passage, Titus 2.10, it says that we need to show we can be fully trusted. Why? So that in every way, they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. I love that one to make the teaching of God our Savior attractive. Have you ever wondered how attractive God is or the gospel is in your life? I mean, would people say about you, man, I want what Mike has. I want what Bill has. Or would they say, I mean, what's the big deal about your faith? It just seems like a bunch of do's and don'ts. You know, what would they say about you? What is it attractive? You know, as I was preparing, I was thinking about a particular story that um, I endured when I was back, again, in uh, corporate America. You know, I was part of a pretty large organization, and they would send us off to uh, um, the headquarters, um, and we would have our annual conference, okay? We would spend four or five days at this annual conference, and um, 
you know, they would teach us things. They would bring in guest speakers. They would teach us how to be more efficient as a boss and how to reprimand properly. You know, all these things. It was a, a national conference. So from 8 to 5, it was a conference. And then from 5 o'clock on, it was free time. You could do whatever you want. You could go downtown and, you know, go out to eat, go network and meet people. And just, just kind of, you're, essentially after that, you're on vacation, you know, because we're away from home. We don't have kids and things like that. We could just kind of do whatever we wanted to do. And I happened to be one of the guys who was responsible for a group of four guys. I, I, had, I was one of the minivan drivers, and I, had, I was responsible for a group of four guys. And this one particular night, we were figuring out, okay, conference is done. We're all kind of relaxing. What do we want to do? And uh, we were kind of discussing amongst ourselves. We couldn't really decide. So then we, we kind of matched up with some other groups and said, hey, what are you guys doing? And what they were doing was, uh, was interesting. They, they were going out to... Uh, and these, these were all guys in this particular group that we were in, and they were going out to a club downtown. Now, this club, I hope you never go to. It's one of those clubs that you shouldn't be at, okay, um, for single guys or married guys. Um, and it was, it was they wanted to go and go to the club. So here I am. They knew where I stood on this, right? As a Christian, I was pretty out loud about my faith and they knew where I stood and they didn't even have to ask if I was going or not. And, you know, they kind of positioned like, Jay, you're, you're probably not going, right? I'm like, yeah, no, no, I'm not going to go. And I said, what are you guys going to do? And they were, they were like torn. It's like, Jay, you know, go back to the hotel or do I go to this club where I probably shouldn't be because, you know, I, my wife is at home, right? Because they were all married. And um, so they were, there was this wrestle, there was this tug. And I, I, I didn't... Bible thumped them. I said, hey, did you know in verse, you know, I didn't do that. I just said, hey, if you guys decide to go, let me know where I need to pick you up. I'll pick you up if you need a ride home. So they struggled, they wrestled, they wrestled, you know, whatever. And whatever excuses they each came up with, they all decided to go back with me, okay, in the van. I was floored. I thought for sure they're going. And, um, you know, they gave, you know, I'm kind of tired. You know, we did, did a lot today, so I want to just go ahead and go back. So whatever. You know, I don't, I don't care what reason it was. I was glad they were in the van with me. So we were in the van, and interesting, interesting enough, something happened in the van. All four of them pick up their cell phones, called their wives, okay? And then they, they did one of these. They did a recap. Oh, yeah, hey, honey, yeah, we, we you know, yeah, we had our all-day conference. Yeah, we had a cool speaker. We learned about this. And then I think the question from the wife is, oh, so what are you doing now? Oh, yeah, right now we're, you know, some of the guys are going out to the club, you know, and uh, I'm not, right? I'm not. I'm, I'm going back. We're going back to the hotel. We're just going to have dinner and call it a night. We're just kind of tired. You know, having this kind of pride about it, like, I did it, you know, and, and wanted to let the wife know, like, hey, I did it. I did it for you. And so, I, you know, I was driving, and I'm, I'm hearing all these different conversations the way they're doing it. They all did it. You know, it was so funny. They all did it. And um, I thought about that afterwards, and I thought, you know what? I had what they wanted. I had a piece about me that wasn't even struggling with the fact that if I should go or shouldn't, I was just like, oh, no, I'm not going to go, and I was okay with it. And I feel like in that moment, my gospel was attractive to somebody, okay? They, they, they didn't know what it was about it. I mean, they knew that I was a Christian. They knew that I was a follower of Christ, but there was something like, man, I you know what, I'm going to go in this van because I don't need this stuff. And when they experienced it, they were free. They were like, oh, honey, you know, you know, you follow me? Honey, I, I did it in a sense. They didn't say I did it, but they're like, I did it. That's kind of what I was hearing them say. The world around us 
is attracted to this kind of stuff, you know, and they don't know any other way to operate but go there. But as a church, I, my prayer for Christian Fellowship Church is that the gospel is attractive here. Especially, like I said, you know, we're residents of Itasca. We want people to know the gospel here in Itasca and Elk Grove Village and, you know, all the neighboring towns. Is the gospel attractive here at Elk Grove? Or, I'm sorry, in, in Christian Fellowship Church? Can people approach this building and not feel like they have to, like, wash their hands and put on their Sunday best in order to just enter? Or can they come into the hospital and be healed because they found out, hey, I heard Jesus is there. I love the sign, by the way. Sign broken, message inside. I loved it, you know. I loved it. Because yeah, all too often we're relying on a marquee to, to say it for us. But what, is our, what are our lives saying? What is this church saying about who Jesus is? You know, I, I'm, um, I've prayed for you guys a lot. Um, I've been talking to Pastor Lucas regarding this relaunch that, that uh, will be coming up in the future, Lord willing. I've been praying for you guys a lot because it excites me, okay? Um, and I believe that God has appointed not only Pastor Lucas, but the elders and the leadership of this church to lead you all in that, in that, in that journey. Because it's an exciting journey, but it also could be a scary journey, can it not? You know, we just renovated our sanctuary back in Living Hope. And uh, after 50-plus years, our sanctuary look is completely different, completely and uh, I remember approaching the organ, right, when we needed to, because we weren't using it anymore. No, there's nothing wrong with the organ, but we weren't using it anymore. And we didn't even want to touch the idea of getting rid of it because too many people were going to be offended by it. You know, but, you know, the organ is gone and, uh, you know, there's a, I was just, I, it just made me think, I wonder how some people, especially those who were there from the beginning, I wonder how they're feeling. I actually took out uh, one of the guys who has been one of the charter members 50-plus years ago. Um, uh, I took him out to lunch, and we just had a conversation. I said, hey, how are you feeling these days? You know, because here's you know, young Jay coming in and you know, leading worship, and then all of a sudden the sanctuary is changing. You know, I just wondered how he was feeling, and I sat down with him, and he, he was very honest with me. He said, well, I don't like this, but if God is in all this other stuff, then I'm there. Oh, I was so blessed by that, that he was all about what God was doing at 80 plus years old. And so I know it might be tough. There might be changes that you go, really? But I believe that the new things that are happening, this is an opportunity to just submit, like what we're talking about here. Submit to God. Trust that your leaders are submitted to God and they're trying to do what is best for, to, for God's name's sake. And I believe if the church, if your church, if this church is completely submitted at every level, would not God glorify himself here? Would not the gospel be advanced in Itasca and beyond because we're all submitted to God? Completely, complete submission. That's my heart and my prayer for you all. Why don't we pray? Father, you are an amazing, amazing God, and you are a big God. And Lord, we realize that when we worship a big God, we can see big things. And Father, I pray that you would do big things in this place here. I pray that you would do big things in the hearts of your people here. That we would come to a place where we 
heart abandoned, Lord, just completely surrendered and submitted to you. Father, whatever may be blocking, if there is anything blocking, I pray you would release those things from our lives so that we can see you and what you want to do in our lives and then what you want to do through us in the lives of people who need us. Lord, there are thousands of people in this area who need Jesus, and I pray that Christian Fellowship Church would be able to knock on those doors, would be able to welcome those in, and that our gospel here would be attractive and that your name won't be slandered, but it would be lifted up. Lord, we thank you for your word, and I pray that it would sink deep, even from when we walk away from this place. And I pray that we would be committed to seeing what it is you want to do, and that when you do something, that we would say, all in, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Not our will, Lord, but yours be done in Christian Fellowship Church, in Living Hope Church, in all the surrounding churches in this area. We love you, we glorify you, we lift you up, Lord. We thank you for this privilege to be challenged through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.